Attention cannabis radio listeners. Do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Dazed and Infused. Tonight, we're really happy to have with us um, the leader of a woman-centric cannabis flower company, Camille Roystocker, CEO of Willow. Welcome to the show, Camille. Thank you for having me. I did pronounce that right. It's Willow, correct? It's Willow, exactly. Okay, and to the people listening, it's W-Y-L-L-O-W. Uh, Camille, you are based in Southern California. You're um, native Pasadena and former Rose Queen, which I found yeah. fascinating. Um, you don't have to tell us what year if you don't want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, my family all missed the Rose Parade this year, so it was kind of sad. But yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get through it. Um, let me ask you this question I ask every one of my guests here on the show. What's your historical relationship to cannabis? To how do you come to cannabis as a as a business, as a personal thing? Where did it start for you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. For for me, it really started on a personal journey. Uh, I had suffered from migraines quite a bit. Uh, every month, sometimes up to 15 times per month. So it got pretty bad for a while. And that after trying different prescription medication and, and just really not seeing the relief I needed, um, a friend said, why don't you look into cannabis? And I thought there's just no way. I mean, what, what product in cannabis could help me with migraines? And then sure enough, after research and then visiting local dispensaries, uh, there's there's quite a few different options out there. So it, it really helped me out medicinally. And that mm-hmm. really started the path towards figuring out what type of business I wanted to do in cannabis, because I really thought, wow, this is incredibly powerful. How, how can I help others? Right. Because, it, you know, you have to go in and, and really research and, and try different things until you get the help that you can get. And um, that's what led us to open our first dispensary a couple of years ago. Uh, and then this whole journey of entrepreneurship throughout cannabis. So um, you are um, a dispensary owner as well? Not at the moment. Nope. Nope. So okay. from yeah, from the dispensary, we, we went into distribution. And then from distribution, we still own our distribution company. We started Willow. And Willow is our first uh, consumer-facing brand. And, and we're really excited about it. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and I'm a fellow uh, migraine sufferer my whole life. Um, I'm considered a rarity because men don't get a lot of severe uh, migraines. Uh, the I think the ratio is 75 to 25 women right. to men. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> definitely has helped me um, on that horrible journey. Um, and it's, it's given me a lot of relief um, with migraines, which is just 
they're atrocious for people out there who have not had true migraine syndrome. It's brutal. And thank God for cannabis because it does help. Um, I was reading your bio and I'm really intrigued because this is similar ethos to my company. I own a company called Shuggies and we make a sugar and agave syrup and stevia. And my, my product, which invented, was for women. And so I was intrigued to see that your brand, and it's, it's definitely echoed by your website, is definitely aimed toward women uh, and women-owned um, cannabis companies and products aimed toward women. Um, do you want to expand on that a little bit more so people can hear it straight from you? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Willow is obviously woman owned and it's also women operated, which I find that very fascinating. My my team of four women uh, have really helped launch the brand and get it to where it is today. But we are a female forward cannabis brand. And right now we have packaged flour. That's kind of where we started with the brand. And when we go into dispensaries and talk about the brand and pitch it to buyers, they're always is extremely surprised that um, there's a woman behind this brand mm. and a woman kind of, you know, pushing a flower brand because normally on the flower side, obviously it's, there's not a lot of women owners over there. We see woman-owned brands with tinctures and topicals and gummies and, and lots of other product lines, but for flower, you know, it's few and far between. So it's been very exciting kind of sharing our story with dispensaries um, and seeing which ones are interested and, and maybe which ones aren't. So. <laughs> so that was actually, it's a great way to lead into or segue into my next question. Um, obviously I'm in a lot of dispensaries tomorrow. I'm in Palm Springs and I'll be at like 15 different dispensaries in that area, in the desert area. Nice. What's, what's been the acceptance rate um, for the product? Is your journey similar to mine and our team? Our team is very women centric as well. Um, it's difficult getting into dispensaries and it's getting seemingly more difficult with kind of the bigger dispensary change kind of taking over. I've noticed um, are you experiencing the same thing or are you getting well-received? That's a great question. I think that there are some stores that either I have been told to my face that they just don't care if it's woman owned and, and our whole pitch, it, it really doesn't matter. We've heard that end of the spectrum, but then we have our other accounts that, that just love the story and love to be able to share that story and, and really have a message behind the product that they can share to consumers. So I would say that we, uh, most stores are very open to the idea. I think that buyers are, are very competitive and want the lowest price possible, which can be challenging um, sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And and comparing you to other brands and we get it at this price and it needs to be at this price. So it's, it, I think it's kind of crazy sometimes, but we know that we have a very high quality product and we know that we do really great on pricing and we just have to stand our ground, right? And, and just know that um, it is valuable and it will sell itself. And the accounts that appreciate the brand and the story, those are the ones that we really, really try to support um, and throw as many resources as possible at those accounts. Yeah, it's very counterintuitive. And if you've listened to any of these podcasts, there's, I think I have something like 65 or 70 out or coming up. Um, it's a very common thread and the lack of interest in the brand ethos um, by some buyers is, it amazes me because it's completely counterintuitive to standard retail modeling. Mm -hmm. Um, with regard to what your brand is, who you are and how you sell. I mean, you've got in clothing, you've got people, you know, like um, 
you know, who Chanel or you, you, a different companies out there like Goop, you know, with um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm -hmm. These things matter to people, especially consumers. They're not always shopping price. And the obsession in a lot of dispensaries and, and chains is price, 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 price. Mm -hmm. That's not how a grocery store operates. That's not how exactly. CBS operates. It's kind of weird to me that, you know, if everything was priced in a CVS, you'd have like Anison, right? <laughs> you wouldn't have a leave or stuff like that. Right. It's insane. And I would take it a step further. It's price. And then for us, since we're a flower brand, it's THC percentage. Oh, and, oh God. Oh Don't goodness. get me started on this. Don't get me started on this one because it's like, you know, it's during crazy. COVID, we've all been talking about the follow the science right if these guys and it's predominantly a lot of guy buyers <laughs> understood the full spectrum aspect of cannabis their argument about it's got to be 35 or i'm not taking it right that's preposterous <laughs> they do not understand cannabis what they understand is just they think that if you're if it was alcohol you'd be looking at i'm just going to drink everclear every day Exactly, exactly. And that's not how consumers uh, shop, right? We don't go into a liquor store and try to find the most alcohol content possible. I mean, that would just be ridiculous. So yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of room for growth and we're very patient. We're hoping this year to try to educate more. And, and you know, what we hear a lot of times from buyers is that, listen, we get it. We know THC percent is not the end all be all, but uh, the consumers, they're not there yet. And, and we just have to have the highest numbers possible. And it's so disappointing because out there that understand they don't need 35% THC to have a great high and, and enjoy no. their evening or, or whatever it is. No, in uh, fact, the 35, sorry to interrupt here, but no, in fine. fact, the 35% um, THC can ruin your night meaning mm -hmm. you, you could be out with your spouse or your partner and you're going out to a dinner party and you i'm going to go to the you know out to the porch and smoke um smoke some weed and you don't know it's 35 percent that that night could be over for yeah you. yeah it could be very very bad and I, I mean we've all heard the horror stories of people that have smoked the you know those strains that are just way too strong and then they they felt like they needed to go to the hospital right it's like the, the party's over the night's over they need to go home and who wants to experience yeah. that i mean i remember networking events and almost having a fear of the, the, the cannabis that was being passed around because it's like what is in this so that i can still network and and communicate and really enjoy this evening. So uh, yeah, I, th I think there's consumers out there. And I think for our brand, especially it's, we want to um, be true to our brand and, and stand by the different strains that we have for different types of consumers. And some might be 25, but if this one's at 19%, here's the reason why. And let's talk about everything else that makes this flower so beautiful and bold. So um, it, we're, we're hoping this is the year that maybe buyers start to change the mindset and, and buy for those consumers as well. Well, um, this is a good good opportunity for me to invite you and Willow <laughs> to come to our next uh, House 420, HAUS420.com event in Los Angeles. House 420 is a brand that since distribution, me, we own. And it is events that are sculpted for brands to experience 
expose themselves to buyers and where you can come and you can tell buyers, managers, owners of dispensaries what you're doing. These are B2B events. We've had them in San Diego. We've had them in uh, Los Angeles. We've had them in the Bay Area. Um, due to COVID, we had to cancel our one, which would have been this Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, and But we are doing one down in West Hollywood, which we would love to have you come and represent your brand. Very low cost. In fact, under 250 for the attendees. And so if you'd like to come um, or if you're listening and you're part of the cannabis industry uh, in the whole, look up house420haus420.com and look for an event near you. So we'd love to have you there, Camille, if you'd like to come. That sounds wonderful. Thank you for the invite. Count us in. I mean, yes. we haven't had a lot of events, so this would be great. <laughs> no kidding. Um, the importance of price and all that, um, that effort, how is that going in terms of like, I noticed that in some of your bio um, online, you, you know, you're trying to aim your eighths at a specific or more lower mid-range price range. Is that correct? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are trying to bring it in at a price that is somewhat affordable for the consumer. So as you know, with taxes and everything out the door, sometimes an eighth can be upwards of $80, which oh, no. in these times is very challenging, right? So yeah. um, we have beautiful strains that we're sourcing through um, our network of cultivators. And we're really, really trying to uh, bring it on the shelf in the 30s to 40s. So every store has kind of a different pricing model and we understand that, but that is the goal. It's between 30 and 40. Mm -hmm. um, the accounts that stick to that are the accounts that are selling the best because it's again, high quality flower, kind of that mid shelf kind of pricing. And that seems to be the sweet spot for everyone. So it's it's a lot of fun kind of figuring that out and and really pushing it to all of the different stores yeah the um your tick your takeaway ticket sometimes at a dispensary can be a real eye-opener when you're like oh that's 40 bucks i'll take it oh that'll be yeah. 56 dollars what <laughs> it's or you check out and it's over a hundred dollars and you're like oh my goodness what did i what did i pick out here <laughs> <laughs> exactly um what are your current varietals camille what are you doing right now uh, as far as strains or? Yeah. Yeah. So right now we have Afghan white gold. We have mm. Mac one mimosa. Those are the top three selling strains that we have. We mm -hmm. did an exclusive with Stizzy not too long ago, which was a limited batch of gelato and that sold out. That was the, the fastest sell that we've ever seen. So um, I, gelato, you know, gelato is a fan favorite though. People gelato is a fan favorite. Yeah. Tastes good. Looks good. Uh, very beautiful strain. So that one went really well. We are, my goal really is to focus on being able to supply the same strains over and over. It's, it can be challenging because oh, sometimes yeah. same cultivator, uh, next crop it looks completely different, tests completely different, even though it's the same strain. So uh, the goal of the brand is really to try to have at least those three around all the time. And then we can mix in kind of those limited edition or exclusive strains uh, for different retail partners. Yeah, the, the, uh, this is a subject that has come up so much on the podcast and it's about the genetics and repetitive genetics. Mm -hmm. It's become almost impossible. Um, yeah. I've talked to a lot of people, Holden Jagger and I were talking about it. Um, uh, it it's just so hard. We've, we've sent ourselves, we've sent stuff out for testing um, when we were in the flower and 
and vape business. And it came back with genetics that were completely opposite to what they should yeah. have been. Yep. Um, and it's very weird. And what we're, what we're finding is there's just too many kind of rogues out there mm. not controlling the genetics and too much inter, interspecial um, crossbreeding. And it's really adulterating the, um, the familial strains. Right. And that's problematic. Um, I love the, the Afghan white gold. Is that what you said you're doing? Right yeah. Now yeah. That's one of our flagship strains and it has ties all the way back the seeds all the way back to Afghanistan. So for, for people that are interested in kind of those legacy strains, they're, they're always surprised to see it on the shelves or even the buyers are surprised when they learn about it. So um, that one is going really, really well. We just restocked it. And, and that is one where it, usually is always the same. So we're, yeah. we're very fortunate with that farmer, but you're right. Um, sometimes it can be very disappointing or, or surprising when you wait for that COA and think, wow, how is this so different from the last time? Um, and you've invested in it already and, and you can't use it. So yeah. it's, it's a challenge. Um, we're dealing with a live plant and it's, it's hard to yeah. control. It's hard to keep it the same every time. But I think if we're, if we're in a certain range every time of, as far as like THC or what we're looking for in terpenes, then we're happy. But once it goes outside of that range, then, then we just can't move forward with it and, and wait, right. And wait until the next time around. Yeah, and for the people out there who are not familiar with the nomenclature of the cannabis world and the acronym, COA is Certificate of Analysis, and it's what's required to sell your product to a dispensary. It's also pretty much required for you to do business in terms of knowing what you've got. Um, I think I uh, there's a picture of you and your husband, I think, on one of your websites um, with a giant bag, and it does look like Afghan white gold. It's beautiful, um, very crystally just a delightful looking variety for sure. So I, if you're listening to this and you've got an opportunity to buy it, I think you should do that for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, you know, uh, when we're out on a Friday, Saturday night, sometimes we like buying a pre-roll. And if you're at a dispensary in Los Angeles, the desert or Northern California, you should look for little Nicky's that's L L N I C K Y S little Nicky's pre-rolls, half gram pre-rolls, excellently packaged, excellently um, packed burns nice straight and clean every single time indica sativa and hybrid look for them in a dispensary near you that's little nicky's brought to you by nick giordano um you know the website you guys are doing is is very kind of um fashion -ish, you know like thank it's you like a fashion website <laughs> it definitely appeals to people who are looking for a higher-end product so i gotta commend you on that it looks thank really you. really good that's what and, you're going for. <laughs> well, good. I mean, yeah. I think, and I think that what you're doing also with your limited number of strains mm -hmm. is a, a very good idea. Um, not putting too much out. There's so many people in the flower business who are putting out just tons and tons of stuff. And it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't help your brand at all. What it, I think it's confusing. Yeah, It is confusing. It makes you a clearinghouse. It doesn't make you <laughs> a brand with specialties, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. And we've had stores that have asked us, when are you going to have seven, 10 strains? Um, and, and that's just not the direction we want to go. I think I'll cap it at five, just so again, it's controllable and we can have those repeat strains, those legacy strains that, that we know will sell and that our customers like. But once you start, you know, 10, 20 strains, I, I, I think the customer is just confused as to what to buy, right? It, you know, it might as well keep it simple. Yeah, and I, I think um, this also leads into my next question for you. Um, as far as your strains go and you staying strain specific and really focusing on good materials so that your clients will come back and buy what you do best, it's just like being a winery, right? You're, you're not making Chardonnay one day and going, ah, screw this, I'm going to make red uh, jug wine tomorrow. That's what people do, right? And it also goes back to that that conversation we had before, and that is about the bud tenders dictating to the buyer what they want, not necessarily um, what is good or what they're asking for, and them dictating too much of the process. That's why being able to have stuff that's consistent is super, super important in any retail sphere. It doesn't matter if you're in tech or baby aspirin or bread, you've got to have consistent product. Yeah, you got to have consistent product. And I think that sometimes it can be tempting when the buyer says, hey, when are you going to have this? When are you going to have that? And it's it's easy to think about chasing all of those different ideas. But again, when, when we think of the brand and where we want to be, we're very, very focused on those strains and sticking to that and, and possibly extending the SKUs, of course, right? We're looking into pre-rolls next, but, um, you know, we can't chase every idea that, that pops up because it, we just won't stay true to the brand at the end of the day. No. And there is somewhat a, um, a centric idea with a lot of a lot of buyers and a lot of bud tenders that they know more. But I have to say that if you're out like me and, and my staff and we're out visiting literally hundreds of dispensaries, I think our, our perspective is better because we're seeing what certain stores carry, what certain stores don't carry. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of stores carrying the same thing. Yeah. So it's becoming like the 7-Eleven effect. Yeah. And Two weeks ago, I was down in San Diego and I saw three dispensaries and it looked like they were the same dispensary with just different signage. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's, yeah, you think just, of that's some depressing. Of the, yeah, it is depressing. You think of some of the, there's very large distributors out there and, and they've done a wonderful job kind of scooping up a lot of different brands, but, but then it's almost a one-stop shop. That's where dispensaries buy everything. And then there's no room for kind of smaller incoming brands that want a shot on the shelves. So um, yeah. it's it's disappointing. I mean, it's nice going into dis a dispensary and seeing new products that you have never seen because the dispensary is taking a chance to really try to curate a special menu that is something different and unique. Uh, but yeah, that's we can only hope that that's the direction the the industry is going. But it looks like it's not. It looks like it's really kind of one stop shop, big big distributors filling up all the shelves, and then a lot of competition on pricing for anyone else who wants a chance. Yeah, I I, I agree. But what happens there is because I've been in the wine business, I was in the tequila mm -hmm. business too. What happens is people tire of that, yeah. and then they're at a point where like I don't want that again. There's got to be something else out there. 
we're at that cusp. We're not really there yet, but we're getting mm-hmm. toward that point where, you know, this will change a little bit. So on your side of it, the the not only do we do these events with House 420, but we open our website to you. So if you have an editorial about quality or anything else you want to talk about, we're a forum for that and we'll put it up on that website. So you can talk about brand ethos. You can talk about what you do. You can put up a video if you want. You just have to contact me and we'll put it there because that's the purpose of it. Because I got so tired of just having this somewhat crazy conversations with certain buyers that I just got frustrated and like, there's got to be a better way. And then I started talking to people like you, other edible manufacturers, other drink manufacturers about their experience. And lo and behold, their experience is exactly the same. It's getting shot down before you're in the door. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just so unfortunate because there's many, many, many brands out there that are doing a wonderful artisanal job on their products and they're not given access to the market. And I don't think that's what this started out to be, but it's become that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, go ahead. That's, um, that's great about your website that you, you give a platform to others to share. I mean, I think that's, that's fantastic because it could be all about your brands, but you're really kind of opening the door for everyone else to showcase what they're bringing to the table. So um, we'll definitely share some content with you right away. Yeah. Be sure just to um, contact us. There's no fee to put on anything on the website. It's just about content. It's about this open forum. And back in the day, like when, I don't know if you're old enough, but did you ever get High Times Magazine? Uh, I did not. Okay. When it, when it <laughs> was a real magazine. I know magazine, about it. <laughs> yeah. But when it was a real magazine, that's what it was. It was a forum, a forum for exposure to different things, even though it was illegal, right? But you didn't know about these things until some guy wrote about them. Right. Or some woman wrote about them and talked about what was going on in the field. Um, as far as that goes, I want to talk to you a little bit about the challenges of a woman owned and operated business in this current space that we're in in time. Mm-hmm. Are you finding it hard or are you finding it more open to everything? I know we kind of grazed on this a little bit, yeah. but you got any, do you want to expand on a little more? Sure. I, I would say that there, there are just not enough women in the industry and there, there are not enough women uh, running companies or, or as directors at, at the larger companies. And there's still a lot of room for growth on that side. And then, and then just diversity in general is a huge topic in the industry. And just how do we bring in a more diverse crowd into the industry so that um, they can also benefit from working in cannabis? So for me personally, I, I think that um, we have a lot of great partners as far as retail accounts and, and bulk accounts and cultivators that are very kind and gracious and love working with me. Um, but but I know that I'm, I'm like one of few. There's just not a lot of women CEOs in this industry. And um, I, I haven't run into many issues per se, but um, we, we dabbled a little bit in fundraising in the beginning. Um, and, and I happened to be pregnant at the time. So there were, I, I ran into a couple of roadblocks with investors saying just 
odd comments about being pregnant and being able to run a company. And here we are two years later with a successful company and we're still around, we've survived. So um, it can be done, but uh, overall it's, it's been a positive experience. I haven't run into too many issues, but I'm sure, you know, people question um, if I can run a company or question if I'm capable, but I just have to prove them wrong by everything that I do and, and the product that I put out. So um, my goal is really just to be an example and hopefully be able to recruit more women into the industry and encourage more women to take that leap if they're looking to start a company in cannabis because it is possible and it doesn't have to be plant touching. There are so many other um, other businesses that help us out in the industry that they could also join as well. Well, great answer. And you know, just so everyone knows too, man or woman, this industry is not as glamorous or as easy as it seems. Uh, it's definitely not. Um, it's a challenge. Every day is a challenge in the cannabis industry, especially with the rules, regs, taxation, everything else. It doesn't get much easier. I mean, or it's harder. crazy. How could it? <laughs> you know? It's crazy. I mean, just banking in general, right? I mean, it's every, oh, everything is very challenging. <laughs> let's not start that conversation. I just ended up a three month journey down that yeah. road. Um, I, I got a quick question too about, um, are you vertically integrated? Like, do you have your own grow or are you just contract buying from your, your specified buyers? We're, we're partners. Growers? Yeah. We're partners with, um, a large grow out in Coachella. And then we have a license to grow. Um, we being like mm-hmm. my company, we're just not growing at the moment. Our facility is not, um, set up for that. So we're looking at other facilities to see if we can potentially move and and then really start growing because the the acceleration of the brand and and the demand of the brand, we really need to grow in-house to to fuel the demand. Mm -hmm. So that is that's on the roadmap. We'll see if City of Los Angeles allows a license to move. We haven't heard of anyone successfully doing that quite yet but we know that the path is there they've released the rules as as far as like how to do so but it could be months down the line (laughs) i get it so you're actually want to move your license to a new facility we would have to we would have to yeah yeah so that is the goal um for this year but i know that it won't be in in a couple months it would probably be q4 where we would see an approval and then and then from there get started right um okay well keep us updated let us know when that happens yeah um here's another question just off the cuff here indoor versus outdoor it's another conversation i hear with especially down in los angeles i hear this just too much and it's driving me nuts because i'm a norcal guy right um i've seen some of the best weed in my entire life being grown outdoor Mm -hmm. and the attitude about outdoor down south is it's mind-boggling and i'm there yeah. every other week right i don't get it it's it's a constant battle um there the demand for indoor is is very high and and we see that on the bulk side of our business because uh, as a distributor we also do bulk distribution and mm-hmm. uh other manufacturers can buy from us etc but we I, I agree we we are partnered with a company out of humboldt and they source flower from all over the Emerald Triangle. And it's beautiful. I mean, we see amazing sun-grown flower, amazing outdoor flower that can compete with indoor. But down south here, especially, or just specifically in LA, 
everyone wants indoor. Um, they will pay a premium for indoor and it, it's really kind of funny sometimes. I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, of course, indoor does look really beautiful, but I know that we, we have strains that are outdoor or light up or, you know, sun grown that, that are competitive uh, to indoor and not as expensive. Also, I would venture to say it's more holistic to do it from ground that's been proven to be organic. Um, I have seen colas that are 16-inch colas grown outdoor in Humboldt, Lake County, Mendo that are unbelievable. And the reality is most of that stuff doesn't get down to L.A. Yeah. Just because of the 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 door is closed to them and they realize and it's like, well, screw it. We'll sell this in Chico and Sacramento. We'll sell the crap out of this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, especially down in the in Central Valley, like in Modesto, Merced, Fresno, totally. Bakersfield. Oh God, you can <laughs> sell the crap out of that stuff there. Um, but, but, but it's beautiful because I'm going to, I appreciate sugar leaf on um, a bud. Mm. I like the look of it and I do not like the tumbled, uh, buds you see in a lot of dispensaries they're so disappointing yeah they're they're, they're not in the ethos of cannabis as a as a beautiful plant so that's my yeah. own take on that one yeah so we're at the part of this show that i'd like to ask you to relate a stony story to our audience if you have one <laughs> uh i would say that the first story that popped into my head was back in college and I remember, so we had kind of like food cards, I guess. So you could go and sure. buy food on campus and there's kind of like kiosk and lots of food. I went here to UC Riverside and I remember my roommate and I, of course, we were, we were stoned and we went to go buy food and came back to the dorm room. And I'll never forget that my roommate ate an entire box of cereal dry. I mean, like no milk or anything in one sitting. and. I just thought it was incredibly bizarre. I mean, I've had the munchies, but not to that extent. And we Dry just laughed cereal. about it. Yeah. <laughs> and we just laughed about it. And and she just enjoyed a whole box of cereal um, that night. So well, that was the first one. story that popped <laughs> in my head. <laughs> well, that's a good one because I have not heard that one. They usually, this this ep, this uh, this portion of the this, this show usually drifts toward that time I made brownies. That's how this oh, boy. usually <laughs> I think um, everyone has that story too. <laughs> everyone has that story. Exactly. There are variants of the story and they're all interesting. Believe me. Um, I think the best one I heard was Landon Long from Infusion Factory in Sacramento said that he had brownies that were so powerful that when he woke up, he was uh, four states away in a motel in Jackson Hole, Wyoming after leaving Sacramento. He doesn't remember any of it. Oh my God. <laughs> That's wild That's <laughs> and also terrifying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so you want to tell people at home where they can find um, your products? I know you're in most Stizzy stores. That's great. Uh, yeah, Stizzy's yeah. a great organization. Yeah, wonderful organization, great partnership. So that would probably be the easiest place to go and find us because they span the entire state. So NorCal and SoCal were in all Stizzy locations. Right on. Um, so that would I would just recommend people go there. They are very price competitive, so they put it on the shelves right where we want it to be, as far as price. So that's that's where I would direct people to go for sure. 
And I've also seen that you are in Bark, which uh, Shuggy's brand is also in Bark. And that's a great place in Beverly Hills, or I guess it's Beverly Hills or West Hollywood there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a nice store. And that's they've recently gone through a transformation, which is great. And always a great place. And if you are people who like to see stars out and about when uh, COVID's not here, that's a great place because I've met a bunch of rock and rollers in Bark before. So that's always, that's yeah. always cool. Really um, cool is, shop. <laughs> yeah, it is. Is there is there any plugs that you want to want to let people know what your Instagram page is? Oh yeah, so it's at Shop Willow, and uh, Willow with a Y, so W Y L L O W, and tag us there. Give us a shout out. We we repost everything. <laughs> okay. And, and what's what's your website? Our website is the same, shopwillow.com. Okay, cool. Well, um, Camille, it's been great having you on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you in person some point here. And we encourage you to join us at House 420 for our next event and supply us with some, some content to get the Willow name out there to celebrate how you're doing your brand and let people see it for themselves and, and the passion you have behind it. Thank you so much. That sounds wonderful. Count us in. Okay. And for tonight, this show is as always, brought to you by Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S. You can find us in 72 dispensaries around the state of California. We make delicious sugar and agave in individual stick packs with five milligrams of THC. So you can enjoy your sugar on the go anywhere you are in a very in, um, clandestine fashion. You can also buy the home baker bag, 100 milligrams of delicious THC in eight ounces of delicious sugar. The home baker bag is ready for you to utilize in your brownie recipe. Also coming out in about three weeks, Stevia is here. So if you're listening to this podcast, look for um, your Stevia Shuggies at a dispensary near you, especially if you have sugar intolerance or are diabetic. We're giving you what you want. Stevia on the go. So again, Camille Rostocker, thanks so much and congratulations on Willow. It's a nice looking brand and a great looking website. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.